I am, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to give a long sermon tonight. I wanted us to pray for Bill and then, you know, this is the, this is the week I always say, you know, it's the hardest week. You know, being a pastor and a professor with graduation and grading and all the things, you know. Um, but I, I asked the Lord what he wanted to do and, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure I'm going to say a lot that I haven't said already. But I do, um, I know the last three times, three sermons that I've preached, they've been, they've been quite full on. Um, and part of that was because students were leaving and I, there were some things I really felt the Lord wanted me to say, wanted us to, to, to pray about and think through and pray into. Um, and so in, in many ways tonight, I, just, I, I, wanna, I want us to kind of breathe, remind ourselves a little bit why we're doing this and what we're going after. And there's one or two things that, um, one or two scriptures that I just want to highlight. Um, to, set, to set the vision for, you know, this could be the, this could be the summer. Um, Kath and I and the family, we're traveling for the next three weeks. Um, and so Henrik's going to be preaching and, and Joe's going to be preaching, which I'm, I'm really excited to see what the Lord um, gives him to say. And the thing with humility is not every sermon is going to be sort of titled humility, one, two, three, four, whatever, but, they, but this, this pressing into the things of the Lord that will lead us deeper into humility. Um, and so there, it might just be one thing um, that the Lord wants us to go after. Um, but um, just kind of casting a vision forward um, beyond the summer, we, we're hoping to have, um, actually, Catherine, my, and Grace's first ever priest, actually, um, when she was born in Cape Town. Um, um, a friend of ours called Richard Fothergill, who we're hoping to, who's gonna come and, and minister to us and teach us uh, in the ways of the Spirit. He's an incredibly prophetic man, incredibly prophetic, uh, very strongly theologically trained as well. Um, He's just as happy having an argument with a cessationist as prophesying what happened to you yesterday, you know? Um, and so I'm really excited for us to, I mean, when students are back, for us to be pressing into the gifts of the Spirit and for life with the Spirit again. Um, and as, as I've said a couple of times over the last few weeks, the more I've, I've studied humility, the more I see it as, as, this, as the soil that the Spirit grows out of. It's, it's where he seeds and where he grows. And so if, if, we, can, if we can look at this summer as, as, a, as an opportunity to be, <laughs> be freeing ourselves of the things that get in the way of the Lord being Lord in our lives. And uh, we'll see week from week what that's gonna look like. I, I think Joe's gonna be speaking about unity and teachability. We'll see where the Lord takes them, but um, there's some things that we're gonna go after. And some of them might be really easy, some of them might be less easy, you know, depending where we're at. Um, but obviously, you know, what, what I don't want is just to, to come here, and there's always this, this tension, we come to church, and then you know, we get a sermon and we think about it. And thinking is important, and the Lord transforming our intellect is really important, and training our minds is really important. Um, but remember what the writer of Hebrews says about scripture. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any, any two-edged sword, 
piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Well, we have that attitude when we come and we listen and we, and we hear God's word and we hear what the Spirit is saying to us, will we allow him to cut into our souls <laughs> and into our spirits in between the marrow? It sounds a little painful, doesn't it, Chris? But, but it's, it's good if we'll let him. And so, you know, as much as we think and we meditate, but, you know, we, we welcome the Spirit into, into what he wants to do with us and see if he will increase the soil um, now, excuse, I'm going to use <coughs> Lisa's really cute red glasses here. Huh? Huh? Not bad? Yeah, thank you. Okay. So, um, we, <laughs> if we, um, I keep throwing definitions at you of humility. Um, most of them are from Andrew Murray, some are from others. So to remind us, humility is the act of seeing how God truly is all and us choosing to make way for him to be all. Okay, so I wanted to read just one section from Andrew's book because um, this, this one really struck me. And I'll read it slowly again because the language, you know, he's writing in the 1860s here. Every Christian passes through these two stages in his pursuit of humility. In the first, he fears and flees and seeks deliverance from all that can humble him. He has not yet learned to seek humility at any cost. Maybe some of us have got past that point. He has accepted the command to be humble and seeks to obey it, though only to find how utterly he fails. And some of us might be frustrated by that. But I believe the Lord will free us this summer if we will let him. He prays for humility at times very earnestly, but in his secret heart, he prays more, if not in word, then in wish, to be kept from the very things that will make him humble. He is not yet so in love with humility as the beauty of the Lamb of God and the joy of heaven that he would sell all to procure it. In his pursuit of it and his prayer for it, there is still somewhat of a sense of burden and of bondage. To humble himself has not yet become the spontaneous expression of a life and a nature that is essentially humble. It has not yet become his joy and only pleasure. So those words really rocked me. Um, I like to think I've, I've managed to shed a few things, you know? The Lord's pointed them out, I've tried to deal with them. You know, I, think, I feel like I'm making progress. Um, but then, you know, is there a little bit of me running away from a few things that I know he's calling me to get rid of? Absolutely. And there's, there's this element, even as I've said when I got this book itself, that we kind of might look at humility a little sideways. You know, we don't, we don't really want to look at it too closely. We want to try and ignore what the Lord might be calling us to. That it's, 
it sheds a light on things in our hearts and our thinking that we have to get rid of. Even um, tonight I was planning on speaking on a topic um, to do with humiliation. Can't do it, I don't like that word. (laughs) Getting used to calling myself nothing, that one I'm still struggling with. To be humiliated and to be happy with that, I'm not there yet, so maybe when I get back from holiday, I'll be able to preach on that one, but not yet. Um, Jesus calls us to give up everything, to give up our flesh, our pride. Yeah, we, we heard last week about our, the sisters in India that we support um, who are being assaulted, whose homes are being burned down, who are, who are living faith in, in, in the face of real tangible danger. We're not being called to do that. We are being called to confront those things that will keep us away from Jesus and will make us less faithful to him, less powerful in his kingdom, all of these things. Um, and I didn't, share, I didn't share this when I was preaching. Um, I just thought it would require too much explanation, but we're kind of with family. Forgive me for those who are new here. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, before we started on this series, Matt and I were praying in the back, and, um, and I, had a, I had a vision, and... Um, um, it, it, was, it, it came after Matt and I had really felt opposition and we, we had finished praying and we thought, we left the prayer room and it was like, nah, there's still something, there's still something going on here, we need to pray, so we went back and to pray some more. Um, and I don't know if there are any Lord of the Rings fans. Okay, I mean, I'll pray for you if you're not, okay? Come up afterwards, okay? Um, but there's, um, the books are amazing, obviously the films are not bad either. Um, and, and we were praying and I, and, and the, the scene in the third film in, the, in Return of the King where Aragorn is sent under the mountain to confront the dead army to draw them into the battle. I had the, I had, I, I had the, I, the, the dead king's face flashed before me as we were praying. And he, he says, and I, I might get the line wrong, but he says something to the order of the dead do not suffer the living to pass. And I thought, okay, um, if I'm going to speak on humility, if we're going to push into humility, is this the spiritual message that I'm getting? Is that it is something that challenges Satan, it challenges the kingdom of darkness. And Satan would say to us, the dead do not suffer the living to pass. I do not want you to go here. And Aragorn says in response, you will suffer me. And... I heard that, and then um, I, I, the vision changed to these two huge doors, massive doors, you know, 100 feet high, steel, and, and they were blocking our path. And I asked the Lord, what, what are those doors? And he said, one is pride and one is religion. One is your flesh, one is the church, when the church goes wrong. And then he showed me a, a, a sword, a flaming sword going into the door and, and the, between the doors and twisting and, and, and they started to open. And I said, okay, 
we'll, we're going to do the series and see where he takes us. And that's why, as part of those first few sermons, I taught on pride, the flesh, and then I taught on religious pride. Because I think those are the two things we have to go after first. But each of us, I suspect, as we go through the summer, maybe you've been there already, you're going to hit a wall. And, and, and you have to make up your mind whether you will say to the enemy, you will suffer me to pass. I will pass. I will find freedom. And there might be different things for different people. And so, you know, we're going to talk about unity and teachability. We're probably going to talk about what it is to not be offendable. And what does it mean to be willing to be humiliated before men? I hate that one. I might get Henrik to do that one as well. <laughs> but we might come to a point where we hit a wall, and I, and I want us as a body and as individuals to say, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to go through these doors. I'm going to go through this wall. And if you can't do that alone, obviously we're a family, and you come up for prayer, get prayer from your brothers and your sisters. And Jesus... Um, again, you know, he's our model, the Philippians 2 model, who gave up everything. That we are following in this. Um, and even in Jesus' life, you know, obviously we get enormous examples from him, but there are two things in particular that really struck me. Um, the one, you know, Jesus dies, he dies to save us, he gives up everything, his divinity, his, his place in heaven with the Father, everything to come and to die. And there's a really interesting moment in, in Matthew 4 um, where Satan comes to tempt him. That the world offers him a way out. The devil offers him the rule. Jesus can literally rule the earth. He can accomplish his will. And in some respects, if you look at the prophetic psalm, Psalm 2, one of the first prophetic psalms about, about Jesus, that would still, in a sense, be fulfilling Psalm 2, which is that he would rule with an iron scepter, and he would smash all opposition. He could have seen that fulfilled. But obviously, that was a lie. But the world will always offer us things that will keep us from humility. It will tempt us. And one of the things I want us to think about this summer is, is what is the world offering us that keeps us from being willing to give up everything for him? And the second thing, and I know I've talked about this already, but there will be times, and this is, this is one of the things with the wall, where our flesh will say, enough. And, that, and that's the other example that Jesus gives us in the garden you know, Jesus gives up everything to come to earth. He gives up everything to be born and then to know that he's going to die. But he still faces this moment in the garden where he says, Father, if you will take this cup from me, can you take this cup from me? His flesh is still there. He's, it's, he's, it's still a decision that he has to make. And he chooses humility. He chooses to humble himself before the will of the Father. And he gives up everything. And he's obviously never going to call us to give up what he had to give up. But he will call us to give up some things <laughs> if we'll be willing to drink the cup. 
If we look at some scripture, again, I'm not gonna go into this in a lot of detail, but like I said, when, when we talk about humility, we won't always find scripture that has that word humility in it, but the content of humility is to give up everything, is to make ourselves nothing, that he can be everything in us. And so these sorts of scriptures are the ones that we can meditate on. From Galatians 2, we are crucified with Christ. From Colossians 3, we have died to Christ. From Romans 1, we are living sacrifices. All of these are death and giving up. Or from Jesus himself in Luke 9, Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And Jesus said as well in chapter 14, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Or in John 12, and we will come back to this on another occasion. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. An amazing promise that out of death will come life, and out of death and actually allowing something to die, we'll actually know where Jesus is. We will be in Jesus' presence and the Father will honor us. It's such an amazing promise. We have this reality that everything that we have been given through Christ comes through his death. And Jesus makes it really easy on us in one respect in that to enter the kingdom, to be saved. All we have to do, and this is only terrifying if you're scared of water, all we have to do is dip you under water and lift you up again. We're baptized into death. And we believe in Christ and we are saved. And what an easy exchange. And going back to what Murray said, you know, if we think about humility, that'll get us into that first stage where we might fall in love with him, where we might want to pursue him. And then there will come the moment when he says, all right, can we go deep now? And in order to get more life, in order to know more of him, we have to also go into his death. That the roots of life are in his death. And this is something that Andrew Murray writes in his book, that the Christian's life ever bears a twofold mark. Its roots striking in true humility deep into the grave of Jesus, the death to sin and self, but its head lifted up in resurrection power to the heaven where Jesus is. These two things happening at the same time. And the more we put our roots, the deeper those roots go into Christ's death, the more we see that we see him resurrected. We see his power. We see him. And so, so 
Um, and honestly, as I prepared, the, prepared these sermons, they're so weird because I, there might be a moment where I'm weeping out of my own brokenness and, and the ways I'm not humble and the things that Jesus wants to do. And at the same time, I have absolute incredible joy because I start to see more of him. And it's such a weird thing and I, I feel like I'm an emotional roller coaster. But this promise of him, this promise of his joy, the promise of more intimacy, it makes whatever pain, whatever amount of death we have to <laughs> allow into our lives as we rid ourselves of things that are not of him, it becomes a joy. And I, I know um, those of you who've been here a while do not want me to start preaching on John 15 again. <laughs> we might go back there sometime this summer, okay? I know we spent months there. But I was, I, was just, I was reading scripture again today and just asking the Lord, you know, where are we going? What are we doing? And, and he just said, if you, if you want John 15 to be real, if you want to abide, pursuing humility, pursuing this emptying of yourself, um, it, was, it was, the picture I saw, it was like the father, the, the vine dresser, and he, and, and, he was, and he was cleaning the graft. He was cleaning the graft of dirt and things that were getting in the way and, and making it pure so that when, when it came to the root, when it came to the, the branch, the trunk of the vine, it met perfectly and life flowed. If you truly want to abide, pursue humility, I will graft you. I will graft you and my spirit will flow and my life will flow and my fruit will flow and be produced in your lives. And there may be times, um, maybe times this summer where the Lord will catalyze this for us. And it's amazing and wonderful when he does that. You know, he just speaks something and then he just does it. And he like short circuits and makes it really easy. And I pray he does it. And there's gonna be times where he'll tell us something and we will have to be on our knees for weeks while he breaks it out of us. And we just let him be in charge of that process. Pray for the quick ones. Be on your knees when he wants you to. <laughs> but we can have this vision of Jesus this summer. Every, every single religion on this planet requires humbling of people before a God all gods. And some of those gods are cruel and some are uncaring and some are distant and some like to mess with humanity in the worst sorts of ways. But we are called to humble ourselves before a God who loves us and who is the model for us because he's already given up everything for us. And so much of this in his grace becomes about us. And I'll say that carefully. <laughs> this incredible love and grace that he has, that as we push into humility, as we push into letting him be more in us, as we think we're giving up stuff, all we're ever getting is more of him and more of how he made us to be and we get more joy and we get more peace and we get more of his glory. The exchange is always, always, always in our favor. Always. 
you will never be worse off if you let him have more of you. And if I let him have more of me. So Matt, you had something you were going to pray. Do we still want to pray that? The activation thing? The not being passive thing? <laughs> not being forgetful thing? Yeah, that. <laughs> so can we pray? And worship team, do you want to come up? Have we got another song we can sing to finish? Okay. But let's just, let's just pray together.